Welcome back to Authors on the Air. Today, my guest is Kimberly Brown. She has written a book called Navigating Grief and Loss, 25 Buddhist Practices to Keep Your Heart Open to Yourself and Others. Welcome, Kimberly Brown, to Authors on the Air. Thank you. Nice to see you, Pam. It's nice to see you too, Kimberly. Uh, thank you so much for writing this book. It's just a straight to the heart, loving and absolutely easy to understand guide to helping one overcoming trauma, whether it's emotional or physical or understanding joy in their life. It seems to me that you are very mindful of your emotions. And so you've written this book to help others be mindful of their emotions. Yes, that's exactly it, Pam. Uh, I the book is about grief and loss which all of us are going to encounter there's no way around that and it's through the practices that I've learned in my life and the experiences I've had with you know, loss of people I love and changes in life that I didn't want getting fired or having to move and breakups things like that um, being able to know what you're feeling know that what you're feeling is okay and there are ways to work with it and that you won't be destroyed or um, devastated necessarily by a loss that you can actually uh, welcome your grief and honor it and feel it and uh, allow yourself to open up also to what's happening right now with appreciation. Can you please tell me a little bit about your background and how you came to write about Buddhist practices? Sure. Um, I guess it's close to 15 years ago or so when I uh, started practicing uh, meditation through the Buddhist tradition. Now, for a number of years, five or six years, I was training to be a psychotherapist in the psychoanalytic tradition, and I found that that, that wasn't my path. So I left that training, and I really wasn't sure what I was going to do next, but I was having some difficulty in my life, and I started to have panic attacks. And you know, Pam, I could tell you exactly why was having those panic attacks. I'd had plenty of psychotherapy and training, but I couldn't really, I didn't know what to do with them. I had, I didn't learn any tools from those um, modalities. And so I sought out uh, meditation and mindfulness as a means to help me uh, work with my mind. And it was very useful. And so through that, I started practicing with Buddhist uh, teachers. And I now teach uh, meditation and compassion through the Buddhist tradition. And as you say, write about it. And the reason I do is because these practices that I've learned in my training are very, very useful. You don't have to be a Buddhist or believe in anything. and and they can really, really help you with difficult feelings and difficult circumstances in life. You've mentioned in the Buddhist tradition, what does that mean? That's a great question because Buddhism is an enormous, you know, popular religion throughout the world. What it means here in the United States, uh, there are many different Buddhist traditions, uh, 
from the Sri from Sri Lanka and Eastern Asia, from Tibet, from Japan, um, and there are secular Buddhist groups as well. But what it really means in general, and what all of these groups have in common, is um, a wish to alleviate suffering and alleviate suffering by understanding our own minds and being able to really directly look at the truth of our lives. And so from a Buddhist viewpoint, there isn't a right or a wrong. There are skillful actions and unskillful actions. And there's an emphasis on really seeing clearly, well, life is impermanent. It comes and goes. Everything changes. The light's going to change, you know. Um, also, everything we say and do matters. You know, that's a truth. And really looking at our lives that we can um, use our words and our speech in ways that can benefit ourselves and others. And also that we all have struggles and we all have suffering. And there's nothing wrong with that that we can use our own compassion and love and kindness to be with that, to help um, assuage that and for others as well. It's interesting. I want to talk about your book a little bit because the first thing I noticed um, when I opened up the book in your table, now I, I have to backtrack and say, when I open a book, I read every page from the very first page into the copyright, the dates, the forward, the the who you're honoring, uh, um, whether if there's a, a little acknowledgement or anything like that. So having done that, I opened up to your table of contents. And what I noticed was that your chapters not only have um, a title, but they also have a practice to address the title. So I'm going to start with chapter one. There is nothing wrong with you. And the practices stay. I And your entire book is listed like that. And having been one who's had the great honor of speaking to many um, monks and practitioners of Eastern philosophies and religion, I understand what you were saying. Was this an intentional thing on your behalf when you did your table of contents? Yes. And, and the intention behind writing the book would be that it was a book that someone could pick up in a moment of distress. Oh, I am feeling so angry at my soon-to-be ex-spouse. And to be able to look in there and see, oh, here's here's how people deal with anger and here's a practice I can actually do right now with my anger or whatever difficulty it is. So I had hoped it would be more of a handbook. Also in my experience of grief, uh, I wasn't gonna sit and read a whole book that wasn't gonna help me in that minute. You know, I, I wanted this to be something that could bring immediate relief to anyone of any uh, religious background or not. So uh, speaking of if you're angry, your practice is hearing the hurt. So um, I think that's listening to yourself is what you're referring to. Yes, it is. But, but you said something interesting, too. You said your intention. Your intention for this was to be a guide immediately and then go into the chapters with a little explanation. 
Tell me what you think about intention. Yes, it's interesting. It's a significant quality. It's emphasized in Buddhism. And like I said, I trained in psychotherapy too. So I think it's just wisdom to understand that everything we do and say, we're led to it by some sort of intention, right? We want to feel better. We, um, we don't want to feel bad. We uh, want to get something or not get something. So we can start to actually develop this intention, which for most of us is unconscious, but we can develop it consciously. Oh, you know, I, I, I would like to orient my speech and my words in a way that's uh, useful and beneficial to me and others. So that's um, it's a significant change from for me, learning that there were certain things in my control that I had thought were just, oh, you're born that way. You know? Interesting. Um, I had occasion to go to um, massage school later on in my career. And I went to one that was uh, based on Eastern philosophy and another one that was based on more of a new world philosophy but both of them spoke about the intention of touching someone and how important it was for you to understand your intention to touch someone was not to make money but your intention was to bring comfort and healing and health and joy so exactly what you've just said ties into it so much and believe me that was 20 years ago when i did that and i still remember and i think sometimes guides me throughout the day. What is my intention for today? You know, um, please continue. I, I think that um, you talk a lot about loss and loss, particularly surrounding death, which in Western philosophy is not really accepted the way it is in Eastern philosophies. Um, people are afraid of, of people who are dying. They're actually afraid of dying people. They're afraid that they're not going to know what to say if someone has died. They're afraid of the reactions if someone close to them has died. So what is your philosophy when it comes to the dying and death? Loss, that type of a loss. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think to your point, most in our culture, it's a pretty death-denying culture. It's also a grief-denying culture. Yeah. And and I say that not because we're a terrible culture. We just don't, haven't learned tools to really help us in, like you said, this these fearful times. People are afraid. People are afraid. I get afraid, too. And the practices of welcoming what's true okay what's true is that each of us if we're lucky we're going to grow older and everybody is going to experience sickness and everybody is going to die just to say those words sometimes people get shocked it's as though no 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 i can't i can't but that is the truth of our lives you know and yes. i believe that when you can open yourself up to that. I don't mean that you necessarily be completely free from fear or worry about that. But when you can open your life up to that, you also then can appreciate, oh my gosh, life is very special, very precious. It's very important to me. We don't have all of it. You know, you 
Pam mentioned in our brief conversation before we started recording the loss of, of people that she loved and her ability to be able to say, oh, I love you. You know, I'm glad I, that I've had you in my life. Yeah. And that's part of what, you know, being able to be awake that, yes, it's not all going to last forever. Then I can appreciate, wow, with the time that we've had. I also think, though, when someone you love and care about is dying, that a lot of folks who are afraid of that or who don't want it to happen uh, deny the dying person the gift of dying with grace. And um, I, I, I can only just recall when my mom and dad, they died at home um, and we had the opportunity to thank them for being such great parents and to tell my mom, don't worry, we'll take care of you when dad's gone. And to reassure my dad that we would take care of my mom. And somehow I think if I was sick and someone said, don't worry, we'll take care of everything. And we were, I'm, we're glad you were in our life. If someone said that to me, that would be the legacy I would want. Does that make sense to you, Kimberly? Absolutely. Absolutely. And what you're pointing at, too, is I, I mentioned that all of our words and our actions have outcomes. Those outcomes survive us after we die. Mm -hmm. So if we orient them in ways that are beneficial and kind and loving, then even the people after we're gone, people will experience the effect we had on them. And that's what you're saying, that yes. these people had an effect on you and you were able to say that and and recognize they're not going to be here forever and give them comfort in these times. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, also, I think that when you are an outsider and someone has a loss, we oftentimes don't know what to say. Um, you know, I'm, you have my sympathies or my condolences and everything. Is that really the right way to approach the death of someone's family member or a or maybe a child, maybe, you know, someone close. Is there a better way to talk to people who've lost someone very close to them in the more recent times? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there is. I think, I think again, people are doing their best um, when you observe someone that's mourning and a colleague or, you know, someone like that. Um, people feel awkward and afraid they're going to say this wrong thing or even afraid to address you know certain things um and i think sometimes the 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 way to to say that is just to acknowledge you know um your sister died i bet that's hard for you if there's anything i can help you with please count on me you know like yeah. to your point about if someone knew the deceased I mean, this has happened to me. People have come up to me and said, you know, your your mom was really important to me. I'll really miss her. Oh, that is so meaningful. You know? Isn't it? Yes, I that, agree with right? you. Yes. Um, so well, I always want to celebrate the joy that's that person's life. You know, they've had their they've lived their life and created joy for others. And I, I want to say oh how lucky you had that person in your life to give you all that joy yeah. right and and um should we be afraid of asking about the deceased no we shouldn't should we you know if you you know use your best wisdom use your best intention 
you know, what is your intention here? Do you just want to get this done? You know, you have to say something, right? Or yeah. is it, gosh, you know, I'm going to open up to this person and see how I can be of use to them in this moment. Yes, you know? yes, I, I agree with you on that. Yeah, interesting. Um, so I want to go and I want to practice Buddhism in the traditional manner, to learn more, to be more compassionate, to understand my own emotions, um, to try to ward off the negativity that sometimes comes with those emotions. Where do I begin? Oh, that's such a great question. Um, you know, there are so many wonderful resources online. And I would, um, I would say there are a couple great books. The first one that comes to mind is called Real Happiness by the writer and teacher Sharon Salzberg. Uh, it's a, a book that is step-by-step -step for beginners, how to learn to meditate. And it's very it's written in a secular way, although it's a Buddhist book and she's a Buddhist teacher. And it really is a great guide you know, to the, to um, beginning meditation in that way. There also are a number of podcasts and websites. Uh, offhand, I'm thinking of the 10% Happier podcast. They uh, talk have talks about mindfulness and meditation, and then they have guided meditations. They're all very, very accessible. What is a guided med meditation? A guided meditation is where a teacher will lead you through a practice. So you'll hear their voice or you might be on video um, and they will, um, you know, say, uh, bring your attention to your breath, let your mind calm down, allow yourself to feel the light, the sound, the taste, whatever it is. And, and it could, these can be as short as 10 minutes. They can be an hour long guided meditation, uh, but they're a good entry as you're learning so that you have that when you practice on your own. Interesting. Interesting. And there are podcasts that do that as well. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I mentioned the 10% happier one. I know offhand, that's a really a good one. Um, the, Meta Hour podcast with Sharon Salzberg, again, a, a really wonderful teacher. There is a website called Dharma Seed, D-H-A-R-M-A-S-E-E-D, dharmaseed.org. And there are for free, I think, thousands of recorded talks and meditations by over the last 30 years by uh, teachers in many traditions. It's really a great resource. I'm talking to Kimberly Brown, whose book is Navigating Grief and Loss, 25 Buddhist Practices to Keep Your Heart Open to, to, keep, to Yourself and Others. Um, Kimberly, where can we find you on the web? Oh, you can find me at my website, which is Meditation with Heart, www.meditationwithheart.com. And there you'll find information about upcoming teachings and events. You can find out more about my books. I have this book, Navigating Grief and Loss, and also Steady, Calm, and Brave. And uh, both of those books are available wherever books are sold. I have one other question. How do you integrate these 25 practices in your professional life and in your personal life? Oh, isn't that interesting? You know... From a kind of a, a wisdom view, just stepping back, we 
we can be mindful in every aspect of our life, right? I mean, it doesn't feel like it sometimes, oh, I'm at work, I'm too busy. And when I get home, it's different, I have kids. But through practice, what happens is you can learn, I've learned this, that every moment, no matter if the circumstances are easy, joyful, hard, boring, that I can choose to meet it in the way that I would like to, you know, with kindness, with this intention, with a clarity of how I'm going to speak. And of course, I'm not perfect at this, Pam, but it's a really an easy, it's a simple way to start to orient your life, whether professionally or in the home or when you're on vacation, you know, just being able and for a good reason, not, not, not simply because you should do that, but because it's really a beautiful way to live. You don't miss your life, you know, and you don't miss people that you care about. You said at the beginning of our conversation that you were, uh, you were a clinical psychologist or working toward that and, and you just could not abide by this traditional Western methods. And so you sought out these practices from traditional Buddhist, Buddhist teachings. How has your life changed? Oh, you know, it's changed dramatically. I have to say, I was helped by Western psychotherapy. It did really much help. It helped me. I'm not against it. But I didn't feel, I didn't feel it was important to give people diagnoses. And right. that was why I really left that. And and what's happened to me through these practices, the practices of meditation, of developing compassion, of, of leading a more clear life with intention. And what's happened is I have a lot less self-criticism, which is I, not that I never have it, but I really felt lousy about myself. You know, I was never good enough. So I have a lot less of that. I feel a lot more connected to my feelings. I still have difficult feelings. And in fact, sometimes I'll still have a panic attack. But it does not feel so um, unmanageable and terrifying. It feels like, okay, well, this is part of being human and I'm going to meet it, you know. And um I also feel more able to be with hard things. And in the book, I mention a very dear friend, my friend Denise, who died of cancer. And I, Pam, I do not think I could have been with her through that illness had I not had these practices. Because it was so okay. painful for me and her and all of us. So how have people noticed the change in you since you began your meditations and your study in Buddhist traditions? They do. They have. Yeah. People close to me have noticed. Um, they notice that I'm, you know, I'm still Kim. I still have my operating system and my old stuff, you know, but they notice that I'm a lot softer toward myself and toward them. You know, I had a very harsh judgmental side. Of course, I still, it comes up sometimes, but it's, I'm much more able to say, oh, I'm okay. You're okay too, Pam. We're all doing our best. There you, you know? go. I have to tell you that it's it's delightful to hear you talking in the first person and not saying you or to try to preach to anyone. You've used these practices yourself. They've improved your life. They've improved the lives of people around you. I want to thank you, Kimberly Brown, for being with me. The book is Navigating Grief and Loss, 25 Buddhist Practices to Keep Your Heart Open to Yourself and Others. Thank you so much for coming by Authors on the Air today, Kimberly. 
Thank you for having me, Pam. What a pleasure. And thanks for being with me, folks. And until the next time, thank you, Mom and Dad.